welcome to Tea and Tales, the podcast where we drink a lot of tea and talk about tales pertaining to a specific topic. Today's topic is Pride Month. Woo-woo! I'm Sarah. I'm Emily. And I'm Erica. And, yeah, we're drinking tea, talking about pride. <laughs> Woo-woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's tea is the Love Blend by Tea Chai Tay, uh, which I think is a company out west, I forget, I think. Portland, maybe there is their hub, but they have a bunch of shops around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy online because obviously I don't live there. So uh, it is an <laughs> herbal tea that also has rooibos, pomegranate, vanilla, uh, cacao, ginseng, passion flower, berries, and rose. What do we think? We had differing opinions on this one. It's, it's all right. It's, it's not decent. like my favorite, but the it's fruit not like is not strong. I'm not getting a frong. I would say a frong stroop. A frong stroop. I'm not getting the aroma of the tea is more strong than the actual flavor. <laughs> I don't know. I got like a piece of tea in the tea. It's a salad with your. It got, it got through the strainer. No, I actually really like it, but I think I like rooibos more than you guys do. So. This is true. Mm-hmm. This is a fact. Mm-hmm. 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 But the love reminds me of Lin Manuel when he that's did. That's what I was going to say. Love is love is love is love is love. Yeah, so we picked it, and it's really pretty tea. It's got like these beautiful rose flowers. Um, and like when you open it up and it smells nice. It does smell good. It has a very It's growing on me. Yeah. Well, so today, uh, for Pride Month, we're going to do, we're going to roundtable one of our favorite books to come out recently. OMG. But because I bring the facts, because facts are fun and history facts are (laughs) Are even even more fun. fun. I'm ready for the, to learn. So, (laughs) we're going to take some turns because there's a lot of dates, but I figured I went down um, the rabbit hole of like important pride dates because I know like most of our listeners are either a member of the LGBTQ community or allies. So most of our friends are already probably like aware of a lot of these dates. But for people that aren't friends of ours, you know, I think that there's when you're met with bigoted people that are like, why do they have a pride month? And it's because... It's because of the it's oppression. Because of the oppression and, like, learning how, like, this stuff is still happening and going on. And mm-hmm. that's why we need a Pride Month till everyone is treated equally. So I figured we'd do a rundown of the important dates so that either you can be educated anew or maybe just find out a few new facts. Or, you know, facts are just fun, like I said. So these are U.S. <laughs> facts. Yeah. So not other countries cool. because that would be too much. So... That's not our focus of the podcast. Shout out for Erica doing the research. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Most of this came from PBS and Time, and then I did a couple other sites and kind of compiled compiled them together. Nice. Because I'm a huge nerd. Shout out for Erica. Shout out. Also, my notes. My notes are in rainbow. They (laughs) will post a blurry picture, so you can't read them. But I mean, you can. can. They're very nicely written. So, anyways, (laughs) um, December tenth, nineteen twenty-four, the first gay rights organization in America is founded, called the Society for Human Rights. Unfortunately, they disbanded quickly after their first publication due to political pressure. So, mm. 1924, though. So, that was earlier than I would have expected. This is almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Dang. Oh. 1948. <laughs> 1948, Alfred Kinsey publishes The Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, helping to start change preconceived notions about homosexuality. But obviously, it was 48. It didn't change that much. Uh, November 11th, 1950, the Mattachine Society formed, which is the first sustained national gay rights organization aimed to eliminate discrimination, derision, prejudice, and bigotry. A month later, December 15th, 1950, some of these facts aren't 
Good facts. They're just facts. Uh, a Senate report is released after covert investigations into employee sexual orientation at the beginning of the Cold War. Previously, like a couple years leading up to this, over 4,000 people had been discharged from the military due to their sexual orientation, which became known as the Lavender Scare. That's just Garbage. Sad. Garbage, indeed. Um, two years later, April 1952, uh, another bad one, American Psychiatric Association classified homosexuality as a sociopathic personality, but many health officials criticized this due to lack of evidence. I'm not a health official, but I will criticize it. Exactly. Same. And then 1953, Eisenhower bans homosexuals from working for the federal government. Damn it, Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. Sarah, would you like to read the 50s and 60s? Yes. Okay. All right. <clears throat> September 21st, 1955. The Daughters of Belitis sure. is formed in San Francisco, the first lesbian rights organization in the U.S. Um, August 30th, 1956. Evelyn Hooker, psychologist, publishes a paper showing there is no clinical difference between homosexuals and heterosexuals. Good. January. Good to know. <laughs> That's a fact. It's a, it is she a did, fact. like, a lot of different cognitive tests and, like, different things to just be like, yep, they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, January 13th, 1958. Supreme Court rules in favor of the LGBT magazine won on their First Amendment rights. Great. Cool. Am I doing 60s also? Yeah, just read the page. Yeah. Cool. 1960s. Various sit-ins and protests occur, including the annual Reminder Days. June 28, 1969, Stonewall riots began <laughs> after continual raids on a popular gay bar ignited the LGBT rights movement. Mm -hmm. That's the one you hear about a lot. Yeah. The, like, I don't the, remember her name, but it's the, the trans, uh, transgender black woman who, like, threw the first brick or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So apparently they would, like, raid this bar frequently to because, like, there was this idea that... Um, like, gay bars were more uh, unruly, and so they would try and crack down on that nonsense. People but, suck. like, they're just, <laughs> yeah, they just suck. Are you looking it up? I was Here, trying to look You up keep the name. reading, and I'll look yeah, up her I'm name. I'm sorry. I should okay. know the name, but. I know. That's December all right. 15th. No, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, June 28th, 1970. One year Stonewall anniversary culminates in the first gay pride parade. Excellent. Hell yeah. December 15th, 1973. Homosexuality removed from list of mental illnesses. Awesome. Yay. Amen. <laughs> Late 1970s. First openly gay public officials. Good. October 14th, 1979. 75,000 people march on Washington for gay rights. July 8th, 1980. Democratic Party becomes first major party to endorse an LGBT rights platform. March 2nd, 1982. Wisconsin becomes first U.S. state to outlaw discrimination based on sexual orientation. We're getting close to the year I was born. Right? Go. Isn't that crazy? I yeah. think the name is Marsha P. Johnson, although mm -hmm. there are uh, differing accounts as to who threw the mm -hmm. first one, but mm -hmm. yes. All right, so I have um, almost up to, is there more past 2000? There is a little bit, okay. not too much. All right, March 10th, 1987, AIDS uh, advocate. Advocacy? Advocacy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gave you a big it's one. A hard advocacy. Word. Advocacy. Listen, I just can't read, guys. Group uh, Act Up, quote unquote, is formed in response to the devastating effects the disease had had on the community. October 17th, 1987, hundreds of thousands marched to demand Reagan address the AIDS crisis. Yeah. 
I read a crazy fact while reading this fact that so like I know that the crisis started in like 81 Mm -hmm. and apparently Reagan never even mentioned it like even mentioned AIDS at all until he was leaving office like around that time. What a jerk. Like seven, eight years later. Like that's okay. Keep going. Sorry. No, it's I mean, it's a good fact, but it's just like the history of our country is a little sad. That is factual. (laughs) December 1st, 1988, First World AIDS Day. August 18th, 1990, Bush signs the Ryan White Care Act, a federal program to help those living with AIDS. All right. Did one good thing, I guess. I did. You know, (laughs) this is the original Bush. Oh, all right. December 21st, 1993, almost the year I was born, Don't Ask, Don't Tell goes into effect for military. Boo. Dang it all. These rainbow colors are really nice. I try. September 21st, 1996, Clinton signs Marriage Act into law, saying no state is required to, to recognize an out-of-state same-sex marriage. Garbage. I didn't write the, the, like, actual name is the Defense of Marriage Act, and just the name of that, like, just offends me, and so I it's refuse to write it. Like, I refuse to write it in my separation of, of church and state. It's like they're, like, it's a lot of, like, religion versus, like... Yeah, and I kind of, like, the way, like, just we perceived the world, like, so I was growing up at this time and, like, old enough to understand the ways of the world. And I just always remembered that it was Bush that signed that. So Mm -hmm. the fact that Clinton, a Democrat, signed that into law, I was like, oh, man. (laughs) April 26, 2000. Vermont becomes the first state to legalize civil unions for same-sex couples. Good job, Vermont. Let's all move there. Just kidding. (laughs) May 18, 2004, Massachusetts becomes the first state to legalize gay marriage. Uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Iowa, uh, D.C. Followed suit over the next six years. I couldn't remember. It's um, District Columbia. (laughs) I was like, what's D.C.? Just Washington, D.C. That's fine. Um, November 4th, 2008. Um, I was, yeah, I was a baby. Uh, Proposition 8 passes in California, making same-sex marriage uh, illegal. Boom. Mm. October 28th, 2009, Matthew Shepard Act passed, expanded the Hate Crime Act to include motivation of sexual orientation and those with disabilities. Great. Slare me project. Well, I mean, it's a good, important act, but yeah. And lastly, into more recent history, just a few more... Uh, December 18th, 2010, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, now Yay. allowed to serve openly in the military. Woohoo! Uh, June 24th, 2011, New York legalizes same-sex marriage and becomes the largest state to do so. Woo. And then uh, the big one, June 26th, 2015, Supreme Court rules same-sex marriage legal in all 50 states. I was yeah. going to say, that like, that one was recent, but I was like, I'm pretty sure it's legal in all the states Yeah, it now. is. And then my last one, uh, May 2016, Obama issues directly to protect transgender students in public schools. And as we know, this was reversed by the Cheeto in chief that we will not mention. Hashtag barf. Yeah, hashtag, hashtag barf. Mm. Yeah. And also he, you know, uh, reversed a couple other military things. But I believe some of them have been re-reversed already by Biden. Well, hopefully. Yeah. So... So there, there's some facts for you. I love that. You that was got so the great. facts. Thanks, Erica. You're welcome. Bring in the facts. I'm Writing trying. them out. I remember being comments. like, I know about Stonewall. <laughs> I, but I just think, like, like the civil rights movement, which I know have a lot of similarities and also a lot of differences. You know, I, I think, like, as a kid, 
I always thought it like the civil rights movement took place a long time ago. And like, so do my students. And so then when we show them like a picture of like Ruby Bridges or just any big person in the civil rights movement that like was a kid during the time and they're just like, oh, they're alive. And I'm like, yeah, they're like 50. Like, you know, or, you know, like, you know, there are older ones that are obviously like 70, 80, whatever. Mm -hmm. But same thing with this, like gay marriage has been legalized across the country for six years. Yeah. Six years. It's not like 50 years ago. It's definitely just six years. And it's just, and like, I, like my school is having a Pride Day on Friday. And I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I, as someone that grew up in the 90s and like was high school in the early 2000s, like I can't even imagine if we had had a Pride Day at high school level. Mm -hmm. Like that would have been crazy. Mm -hmm. And I had so many friends that were gay at that time. I mean, they're still gay. I'm saying they were friends of mine. At the time, they were friends of mine, no, and they no, are gay. Okay. <laughs> no. But, like, like that would have been so huge for them. Like, mm-hmm. And the fact that the, my school is not even a high school. It's an elementary and middle school. And, like, I'm so proud to work there to, like, be able to say, like, yeah, we're having Pride Day this Friday. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It reminds me, we were just talking about it before we started recording, that Blue's Clues, which is, like, Nickelodeon or Nick Jr. And, or like, whatever everybody watched that when they were a kid. Yeah. Did like an all inclusive like parade video, like Pride gay parade, parade video, yeah. and it like was a song, and you should definitely. It go. wasn't just like lesbian and gay; it was also like asexual and, and transgender, yeah. and they, yeah, yeah. Was, and I think the person singing it was like a, a drag queen was I singing it. So, it was yeah. so good. It was just crazy to see that, like on on Nickelodeon. I think it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. There's we still have a long, long way to oh, go. Oh no, for yeah. real, and but. I agree. We have come a long, long way from where we were. And, like, our state is better than most, but, like, mm. but parts of our state are not. Uh, Yeah. But we're we're there. So, so as we are tea and tales, we're going to focus more on fictional tales, either featuring uh, LGBTQ characters and or written by Mm -hmm. some of it both. Um, Mine are both. (laughs) Woohoo! So, the one that we all wanted to feature is a really popular book, like, across Instagram and just like the world in general, which is House in the Cerulean Sea. It's so good, guys. Go read it. We started talking to our friend Tom about it, and he literally bought it on his phone while we were he talking did. about it. Like, I bought it. It was twelve dollars. I was like, "What? <laughs> okay, well, you won't regret it." But okay. I have never met a person I've recommended it to that hasn't like said it was one of the best books they've read. I mean, so Autumn just finished good. it. She loved it. We read it with our book club, and I remember, like, our friend Jim, who, like, was a librarian for years and is now retired, he said, like, he was a little bit hesitant to read it um, because it was, like, a YA fantasy book, which is not usually, like, his jam, but he was, like, this book was incredible. Like, I found myself just smiling and, like, really enjoyed it. The main character is so relatable, Mm -hmm. like... And you just root for him, even though he can be, like, a little bit of a jerk. Like, he's a little bit of a Mr. Baker. Like, he's <laughs> just so funny. And the way, like, he describes his work day and the way he describes and his, salad like, dressing on his shirt. His superiors <laughs> and stuff. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> So, I'll read a synopsis for people not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Um was published by Tom Doherty in 2020, so it's very new. Uh, So, Linus Baker leads a quiet, solitary life. At 40, he lives in a tiny house with a devious cat in his old records. As a caseworker at the department in charge of magical youth, he spends his days overseeing the well-being of children in government-sanctioned orphanages. 
When Linus is unexpectedly summoned by extremely upper management, who <laughs> they never have a name, they're just referred extremely. to as the group, <laughs> he's given a curious and highly classified assignment. Travel to uh, Marsyas Island. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it. I never think I um, Orphanage where six dangerous children reside. A gnome, a sprite, a wyvern, an unidentifiable identifiable green blob, a were-pomeranian, and the Antichrist. I love them all. They're just so good. They're so good. Um, Linus must set aside his fears and determine whether or not they're likely to bring about the end of days. But the children aren't the only secret the island keeps. Their caretaker is the charming and egg enigmatic Arthur Parnassus who will do anything to keep his wards safe. As Arthur and Linus grow closer, long-held secrets are exposed and Linus must make a choice. Destroy a home or watch the world burn. It's so, it's so good. good. It's, we need to buy a copy for our house. We do. Because I would reread it. Yes. I have two copies accidentally because I remember it like, was on sale for an ebook, <laughs> And I was like, ooh, I wanted to read this and I bought it. And then <laughs> when it came around for the book club, I was like, I need to go buy it. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, Your I have two books. Your copy kicked around our house for a long time. So I read it. Sarah read it and then I read it. And I, I would take a long time to read. But And then I think Autumn I was like, can I read this? And I was like, you you have to ask Erica. That's actually <laughs> That she went and bought it. <laughs> yeah, I would have let Autumn use my For book. sure. For That's sure. true. Um, you heard it here first, Autumn. Um, who's your favorite <laughs> character in the book? Well, so the characters are... Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Talia is a 200-plus-year-old garden gnome. She's got a beard. She does have a beard. She's, She's so great. So great. <laughs> um, Theodore is the wyvern who speaks in chirps and hoards buttons under the couch. Oh, I think he's my favorite. Mm. I think he is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Fee is the forest sprite. The um, Sal is the shy teenager who shifts into a Pomeranian oh, when scared. Sounds so shy. Um, Chauncey is the amorphous green blob. Mm, there you go, the doggos. Sorry, friends. Chauncey is an amorphous green blob who longs to be a bellhop. Aw. He's so great. That's Autumn's favorite character also. Like, oh, he's so great. He's like, I'll take a tip, please. <laughs> and last but not least, Lucy is a charming and intelligent six-year-old who also happens to be the Antichrist. It's true. He's so great. He's like, he's very fun. let us pray and like have boiling blood with our dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, so Theodore is my favorite because he hoards. He has this hoard and it's just buttons. I think Talia is my favorite. What's the main character dude's name? Linus Baker? Yeah, he's yeah. my favorite. He he's is great. so relatable. Just the way he... He's, I know I'm repeating myself. But he I mean, is, though. And, yeah. like, just... <sighs> like, And it's it's the, like... His, um, like, internal struggle versus, like, what I feel emotionally is right. What I know logically should be right. And, like, those coming to terms with, you know, like... Mm. And having to make choices and the choices that he makes. Why are you laughing? <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um... I also think, like, I like that it takes the, like, person discovers a magical world or enters a magic world mm-hmm. and is changed and kind of flips it on his head because at no point does Linus, like, gain powers. He doesn't no. suddenly became, become a magical yeah. creature. He is literally just always a caseworker for the Department of Magical Youth. Like, he's that still is kind of a mess so at the end of the book. Yes. <laughs> he's still kind the of The ending is my favorite part. There's like, a lot of character say, growth, but... but he's still a mess. Yes. Like <laughs> He's a hot... He's Game not gonna <laughs> spoiler. Oh please! <laughs> oh, we also didn't. There's a, the other character, Zoe Chapelwhite, oh, which is a great name, Ms. and she owns She's the la- land so and great. has mysterious abilities that would spoil it. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, I She's just, also great. I think 
the book is great. I think the writing is fun. Mm. The yeah. cover is beautiful. Oh, it yeah. is, yeah. Like, don't you wish you were here? Yes, I really do. <sighs> uh, guys, let's go go read it. It's it's do fantastic. It. Yep. And I also say when we did ask for like honorable mentions on Facebook, um, my friend Vicky put this as her recommendation. Yeah, Vicky. So um so yeah, Woo-hoo. there's House in the Cerulean Sea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go read it. And it's YA, so it's a cheaper book. So and you don't also, even have to worry about it. And it's paperback now. Two seconds to read it because it's, it's going to so, be... Like it'll be like, this is good. And then it'll be like, oh no, it's over. But then you can read it again. And then you can read it sure. again. I don't read a lot of books again, but I will definitely, definitely. read that Me one too. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, speaking of things people have mentioned, uh, we got um, the film Maurice was uh, mentioned by our friend Chris, which is a 1987 film with Hugh Grant and James Wilby. Um, There's a book called Less that was recommended by our friend Evan. Uh, 2017 book by Andrew uh, Sean Greer, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, The series uh, Pose, which is a 2018 series created by Ryan Murphy. And Legendary, which is a 2020 voguing reality competition, which now I need to go watch. Um, Both were recommended by my friend Derek. Uh, Jack Harkness, who's a character from Doctor Who and the spinoff Torchwood, was mm-hmm. recommended by Rachel. We have Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, recommended by Autumn. And then uh, our friend Francis recommended Schitt's Creek, Dear White People, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And we might hear more of those about one of them, at least. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At least one. At least one. My, my mentions as well. Sure. Um, Ryan said, blue is the warmest color and the color purple. I have not seen either of these. Sorry. The uh, he also, so good. He also yeah. said, prom, exclamation point, the musical. Um, I've seen both the musical and the movie. That's good. It's not it's my a favorite. nice message. But yes, the message is very good. Um, another Doctor Who uh, characters is Madame Vastra and Jenny Flint. Um, they are a fantastic lesbian couple on Doctor Who. They're just so wonderful. Um, and then Eric said, do Crowley and Aziraphale from Good Omens count? They and certainly then... do. <laughs> Especially in the series. Yes, That's more right. in the series in the book. Have not finished the series, have not read the book. So one of these days I will. Cause... Didn't Neil Gaiman say that like when they made the series, because there's so much fan fiction out there of them <laughs> being like partners that they wanted to make it less fan fiction and more just a realized relationship. Yeah. yeah, so... And I think no matter how you look at it, sweet. because you can choose to look at it where it's not, like, a physical thing. It's just, like, they're soulmates. And yeah. in that regard, it would be, like, ace representation, which mm-hmm. is great. But mm-hmm. if you see it even, like, up to them being, like, husbands, like, all the way across mm-hmm. the board, it's still representation. And yeah. it's still, like, love in a very pure form, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, they clear even in the book, they clearly have a love for one another. Yes. In some form. They or care. Another. They, they do. They care. Um, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so who's going first with their tales as my voice cracks? Um, I'll go first. Go for it. Um, yeah, so my first pride tale is Lumberjanes, which is a comic series, uh, one of my absolute favorite comic series. It just actually ended last year. I didn't know because I did fall off it a little bit. Anyways, That's comic it. series written by Shannon Wetters, Grace Ellis, Brooke Allen, and Noelle Stevenson. What? what? Woo, woo. Um, and published via the Boombox imprint of Boom Studios. Uh, I love Boom. Me too. They did Giant Days. Giant Days is good. Giant though. Days. The ones that. that I've mentioned in the last episode were both Boom comics. So I just 
They um, have really good they, titles. They do. And they a lot of good ones. representation as mm-hmm. well. They, they surely do. We circle it back. That's right. Um, the comic ran from 2014 to 2020 with over 75 issues, 20 graphic novels, won multiple Eisner Awards, including the award for Best New Series, and also won the GLAAD Award for Outstanding Comic Book. Because it's just so good. How many do you have, Emily? I have uh, up to 58, but not all of them. I am missing a couple. I did just order 20 and 21 <laughs> on Amazon <laughs> last night because I was like, yes. I gotta read them. Um, my favorite arc is like this, the third arc, which uh, is when like a snowstorm hits, so it's so good. Um, Back up. You I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, what so, is so, it about? So, the story is set around, and I apologize because there's a lot of like really weird words, but it's uh, around Miss Quinzella, Thisquin, Penaquilku, Thistle, Crumpets, Camp for Hardcore Lady Types. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's like sides of the like. That's Fensa though. And it's, it's like expensive. they cross out girl and they say large, uh, hardcore lady types because I think it's more inclusive, which is really cool. Um, uh, which is a summer camp whose attendees are known as the Lumberjanes. It focuses on the five scouts of the Roanoke Cabin, which is Joe, April, Molly, Mel, and Ripley, and the strange creatures and supernatural phenomena they encounter there, such as a snowstorm in the middle of the summer or Greek gods and all that. But Why it's not? all about <laughs> friendship to the max. It's, it's so good. I'm going to talk a little bit about the characters. Uh, so Joe is the most cool-headed and analytic member of the group. She is a transgender girl who has two fathers. Uh, she is of Navajo descent, and she acts more of like the leader and specializes in the mathematical problems that the group faces, like going through a dungeon of trials and figuring out the patterns on the rock to hop across the floor. It's Fibonacci. <laughs> and she's like, guys, it's Fibonacci. And April's like, watch your language, because she doesn't know what Fibonacci is. Um... Oh, the spiral. Um, Yes, so next uh, is her her best friend is April, who has a flair for the dramatics and loves puns. I guess I would be most like her. She uh, habitually takes notes on the various puzzles the group uh, encounters in her diary. Um, Although outwardly the least physically imposing Lumberjane, she is revealed to be the strongest after successfully arm wrestling and ripping off the arm of a giant living statue in the Mm -hmm. same uh, little dungeon that they're going through. Um, and she's the first person that Joe comes out to as transgender, and, and you know, that's that's very cool. Uh, there's, like, a moment where they're they're doing, like, a scrapbooking uh, contest or whatever to earn a badge, and there's, like, a little picture of them when they're kids, and Joe's a boy and she's a girl, and it's just like, oh, it's, like, a cool little, little reveal. Uh, next up is Molly, and Molly is a skilled archer, but she's really <laughs> shy. <laughs> Sometimes uh, she worries that she doesn't contribute enough to the group. However, it's revealed that she uh, has a head for word games and puzzles. She loves uh, Greek mythology and has the second most patches uh, of anyone at the end of the comic series. April has all of them and she has the second most. Spoiler. YOLO. Um, it's not going to ruin your appreciation. <laughs> not at all. It's not I'm about just that. <laughs> While April and Joe like to take the lead and forge ahead, Molly will kind of sit back, uh, preferring to look after Mel, her girlfriend, who's often anxious, and Ripley, (laughs) who's often distracted. Uh, And I said, she and Mel in a relationship. And there's this one moment she's trying to figure out a puzzle, and she's like, I can't focus. And Mel's like, you can do it. And gives her a little kiss on the cheek, and it's just so cute. Okay, I'm calming down. She's so happy right now, guys. Sounded like the end of a, like... Barbie crush. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this series so much. Two more and then I'm done. All right, so Mal, uh, despite her punk appearance, is the most cautious and sensitive of the group. She is Korean-American, which I didn't know, like, any of the, the descendants of, like, where they, like, what their culture was before I even looked this up, so that's really cool. Um, she specializes in crafting elaborate plans. She's often 
over-paranoid about the dangers facing them at camp and has fears of water. So they end up going on the river, and she's like, I don't want to die. I feel like a camp would be a bad place to go if you fear water. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's a lot of Where different really go? cute... <laughs> me? Somewhere? No. Oh. I'm just reading through. Um, no, 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 no. Sometimes we put extra facts and we're like, oh, we maybe don't need that fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I threw her off, guys. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I'll fill the dead space Ripley is the youngest <laughs> and most energetic of the girls, uh, liable to launch herself towards danger without any fear. Her famous moves include drop-kicking things in the stomach, including uh, enchanted foxes, yetis, statues, and even Mel. She was trying to save her from uh, having water in her lungs, of course. Uh, and she sometimes gets one of her, uh, and always gets her friends to, like, throw her at enemies. She loves animals from kittens to dinosaurs and sweet things such as cookies and candies. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite being the catalyst for trouble, she prefer, uh, possesses keen insight for the other pers- uh, people's feelings. She has that, like, childlike wonder where she kind of speaks her mind. She, like, sees things and she'll, she'll speak them. Um, Molly and Mel are often Ripley's unofficial guardians that kind of watch watch over. And she is half uh, Irish-American and half Afro-Mexican. So she's so cool. She comes from a really big family. And she's just lovely. Um, in issue 16, there is a character named Barney who uh, was in a group called the Scouting Lads. And he's officially allowed to come and join the Lumberjanes. And he uses they, them pronouns. And it's a really cool, like, inclusion there. Um, and then one other character, which is uh, Rosie, who's like the the master uh, camp counselor. It's a, just like a nod to Rosie the Riveter, which I mm. thought is so cool. It's just so good. There's a lot of like little quips in there. I have so, to go back and read it. Yeah. I meant, like I said, I meant to. Kind of like Gravity it. Falls. Yeah, it's for like hardcore that, lady type. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, one of my last favorite things is sometimes they'll say things like uh, they'll do uh, exclamations and use like famous women in the mm. place so they'll go what in the Joan Jet are you doing or holy bell hooks or where the Phyllis Wheatley were you <laughs> so it's just like you, you read through and, and like some of these people I don't know so I have to like look them up but, but it's then just, you learn things. and then you learn it's like it's this is the first learning like no. first person in, in the space or this is like the first you know African American person to publish poetry and it's just like it's really cool you kind of learn a little bit if you take the time to like look it up there uh, you go Lumber you can James. go down the rabbit hole yeah you said you said it three times now I know it's on your soundboard and now. this the month mm-hmm. of pride and this the month of pride <laughs> the rabbit hole yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sarah, it's, it's a good oh okay <laughs> it's a good yeah okay so my first pride tale is fun home which is um both a um graphic novel and memoir and also a musical it is. So, Fun Home, a family tragic comedy, is a 2006 graphic memoir by the American cartoonist Alison Bechtel, author of the comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For. <laughs> it chronicles the author's childhood and youth in Pennsylvania, focusing on her complex relationships with her father. The book addresses themes of sexual orientation, gender roles, suicide, emotional abuse, dysfunctional family life, and the role of literature in understanding oneself and one's family. Bechtel states that her motivation for writing Fun Home was to reflect on why things turned out the way they did in her life. She reflects on her father's untimely death and whether Allison would have made uh, different choices if she were in his position. Writing and illustrating Fun Home took her seven years, in part because 
um, Bechtel's laborious artistic process, which included photographing herself in poses for each human figure. And when I went on Wikipedia, it had, like, an example. Like, she dressed like her father and took, like, a downward upshot. And then it had, like, the picture what? of her dressed as her father and then her drawing. So, like, for That's every... That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So now I gotta look, look while you're saying Yeah, this. go to the Wikipedia page. It's really, really crazy. And let me find what note I was on. B-flat. Yes. Fun Home has uh, been both a popular and critical success and spent two weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, Sean Wisely of the New York Times Sunday Book Review called it a pioneering work pushing two genres, comic and memoir, in multiple directions. The narrative of Fun Home is nonlinear and recursive. Incidents are told and retold in the light of new information or themes. Bechtel describes the structure of Fun Home as a labyrinth, going over the same material but starting from the outside and spiraling into the center of the story. Fun Home has also been adapted into a stage musical, which I mentioned before, with a book by Lisa Cron and music by Janine Tessori. Tessori. Bechtel did not participate in the musical's creation. She expected her story to seem artificial and distant on stage, but she came to feel that the musical had the opposite effect, bringing the emotional heart of the story closer than her book ever did. Hmm. Um, a, go ahead. Sorry. I love it. it I is. love the musical. It's so good. A Broadway mm-hmm. production opened at Circle in the Square Theater in April 2015. The production won five 2015 Tony Awards, including Best Musical, and ran for... 26 previews, and 582 regular performances. Dang! Yes. And then one last final fun fact is that on January 3rd, 2020, it was announced that Jake Gyllenhaal and Reva Marker, through their Nine Stories production banner, secured the rights to adapt the musical version of Fun Home into a film. Oh, that would be I feel like he would be good in that role. Mm -hmm. He has such a nice, like, high tenor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I have not seen it but i have read it mm-hmm. um it's, it's parts of it are hard parts of it are hard to read because it's really her dad really struggled with like homosexuality and not accepting it in himself and mm-hmm. so not wanting it for his daughter and like you know wanting to push this femininity onto her that she wasn't really into and it's mm-hmm. just really interesting and she like finds herself and blossoms and and then is able to, like, write this beautiful thing that people can relate to. I'm going to listen to the music. The music's beautiful. It's a one-act show. Oh, wow. So it, it, it moves pretty quickly. Um, I remember hearing Sydney Lucas do Ring of Keys. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. I played for the auditions for that when we were going to do with Red House, and then everything got canceled for mm-hmm. COVID. And I remember, like, some of the songs, some of the songs are, like, more like stream of consciousness and some of them are just really catchy like ring of keys there's one called changing my major when she mm-hmm. kind of like discovers who she is in college that changing i just her major to joan changing her major to joan <laughs> that i just like had in my head for weeks after doing the auditions because i played it so many times mm-hmm. but then it's just super catchy um and then they have one like, where they're like doing a commercial for the fun yes home. which it's is called really... like welcome to the fun home and it's just like a bop. they're just like in <laughs> They're just like, yeah, doing a commercial for their funeral home. Yeah. It's really <laughs> they funny. They don't though. actually, they're like kids yeah. pretending like they're going to do one. And it's just, it's a silly, like they try and break up the drama with some of the silly songs like that. And mm-hmm. so um, there are a couple of funny ones, but mm-hmm. it's one that I really want to play. And I was supposed to. So close. Will. I know. It's a good show. Go get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Erica, it's your turn now. Okay. <laughs> um, so the first one I'm going to do is the very popular and beloved Schitt's Creek. Woo! 
So if, if David, yeah, if, if you are li- living uh, under a rock, uh, Schitt's Creek is a sitcom created by Dan and Eugene Levy that aired on CBC um, and Pop in the U.S. from 2015 through 2020. Uh, the synopsis is after the Rose family's business manager embezzles the family business, Rose Video, that's the name of the business, the family loses its fortune and relocates to the town of Schitt's Creek, a small town they once purchased as a joke. They now live in a motel and must adjust to life without money and with a lot more of each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good description. It is. I stole it from Wikipedia. That's I never do that. What? But Who does Sometimes you see, like, just excellent descriptions, like, and I'm like, you know, I don't need to rewrite it because mm-hmm. someone did it better. Exactly. Um, I know that, like, Dan Levy came up with it, like, what if, like, the Kardashians lost all the money? Would they still be the Kardashians? That's kind <laughs> of where it came from and mm-hmm. then spiraled out there. Um, the the series won 18 Canadian Screen Awards, two Screen Actor Guilds, uh, 19 Emmy nominations, including 15 in their last season, and uh, two GLAAD Media Award nominations with one win. Their last season swept all seven major awards at the Emmys, which is the first ever series to do this comedy or drama. No. Full earned it, though. It did. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is, like, I felt bad for Good Place because their final season was the same year. Mm-hmm. And, like, both of those seasons so and series were just wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I would say Schitt's Creek. I would edge it out a little bit, too, but I could... Like, I felt bad for Good Place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main characters are Johnny and Moira Rose, um, their children are David and Alexis. Uh, then their friends, sort of, are Jocelyn and Roland Shit, who are <laughs> townies. Roland is the mayor, and as you can tell by his last name, um, like his family is what the town is named after. Uh, Stevie Budd is the hotel clerk where the Rose family is staying and becomes David's best friend. Uh, Patrick is David's love interest and business partner. Ted Mullins is a vet and the on-off-again love interest for Alexis. And then other townies are filled with the very colorful characters of Bob, Ronnie, Twyla, Ray, and Mutt. So (laughs) So good. It's just such a feel-good show. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, Catherine O'Hara is just... So amazing, hysterical, like Devas. (laughs) (laughs) Like the characters are so funny. Mm -hmm. Um, They just really cast it well. They wrote it well. Like Dan Levy, just I know it says it's created by Dan and Eugene Levy, but it's really Dan Levy's show. He just kind of asks his dad for help. Like I think I have something. Yeah, let me like do I have something? (laughs) So. And um, his sister is the one that plays Twyla, which I always think it's is very funny. He always, like, makes her so stupid and gives her funny things. And <laughs> until the very end of the series, he kind of gives her, like, a feel-good story. But just, like, I guess she we'll She also has, like, the weird story. Yes. She's like, my uncle, who's in prison, like, stole 50 penguins. And, <laughs> like, it was weird. <laughs> like, would you like a smoothie? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, the thing I really like about this show is just how much, like, the town is fleshed out um, with really nice characters, um, kind of in the way that Parks and Rec is, to where they always have the same, like, extras and same people, to where you feel like you really know the town and, like, have lived there. Um, the other thing that's unique about it is, so, like, obviously it's a small, sort of remote town, and clearly that'd be an easy thing to, like, have David and Patrick deal with, like, a lot of backlash or, hom- like, homophobia, but they don't at all. They just let... My dog is making noise again, which you might not hear in post, but it's doing it and making his laugh. But, like, 
they wanted to make it so where it was just like a welcoming town and like the things that they deal with are just like everyday things and not having that is like a background to always go up against. It was just, nope, they live in this town and they're together and like, that's fine. And like the community treats them fine (laughs) or like they'll like tease David because he's a ridiculous character, not because he's gay. So I just really like how they flip that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when the series finale aired, they did a thing. It was either right before or right after where it was like how they've been a part of like many gay pride parades and like different things they've done for the community and like I was already crying because it was the last episode (laughs) and like I could not stop crying and then they like showed the picture (laughs) with like Dan Levy standing under the marquee in Times Square with him and David like kissing and like saying it was like the last episode or something and he's like this is a gay marriage episode <laughs> in the Times Square they're showing. And he was, like, crying, and then I started crying. <laughs> and I'm just, like, it was just, so I just really like it. Um, my interesting facts for it. So a lot of these will make more sense to people that have seen the show, but they're just funny anyways. So uh, the Canadian Broadcast Company set up a Twitter for the company Interflix, which is the fake studio that produces Moira's The Crows Have Eyes film. <laughs> and so the Twitter releases, like, like upcoming promos of their, like, non-existent films. Um, Chris Elliott, who plays Roland Shit, wears a prosthetic beer belly throughout seasons two through six to play Roland in every scene. Wow. He has a prosthetic beer belly on. Wow. Um... None of the books being read by characters at any point throughout the series are real. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so just because. I mean, maybe they they're like made up books. Yeah, they're just made up books, like with made up covers. Oh, I don't okay. know if it's a royalty thing because they didn't have a lot of money, and I know most of the money went to like the wardrobe for all of them, but yeah. specifically Moira. But like, and like Dan Levy was like a big part of like helping to pick out her wigs and stuff mm-hmm. but, um, or he'd like buy things on ebay like and i think is it the second season where he has the mohawk where he's out in the field with the amish people he said he like searched <laughs> for like months to find that and he found it on ebay and bought it bless um noah reed who plays patrick um his acoustic cover of the best reached the top 10 in canada after it's the episode so aired good, though <laughs> Um, there is a Tumblr devoted to Moira's vocabulary with words like pettifogging and frippet. <laughs> frippet. Um, we never see the creek of Shit's Creek until the first episode of season six. <laughs> so I just huh. think that's funny. Like, yeah. you never see it. Oh, it's just, like, not relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, the phrase, ew, David, which has become iconic after uh, Annie Murphy says it um, in the show, is actually only said three times in the entire series. <laughs> Despite all it's, the merchandise. Ew, David. Such, it's such a phrase. Like, I remember people at my job being like, ew, David. And I'd be like, haha, ew, David. Like, I know that. But I didn't know that it was, yeah. like, only three it's times. It's three times. It's crazy. Um, speaking of Alexis, her hand gestures were inspired by the way the Kardashians hold their purses. <laughs> and apparently she doesn't like reality TV, which I agree with her on. But to mm-hmm. develop her weird way of talking and just holding herself... She just watched a ton of reality TV before. Uh, <laughs> so much. It's brain mush. And Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, also auditioned for the role of Stevie. Can you imagine? Oh, right? my God. <laughs> like, the girl who plays Stevie, I don't know her name, but um, she's... Emily Hampshire. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. 
She's so good as Stevie. I Yeah, I love her. Um, speaking of Emily Hampshire, her dream role has always been to play Sally Bowles in Cabaret. And Don't so, make me cry on the right. Yes. So, like, oh. there's a season where they're doing a community theater production of Cabaret. And I love that season so much because it's so true oh, to community good. theater. Yes. Um, and then my last two facts are Dan Levy's dog appears on the beer logos in the town. And it's a, a fake beer company called Man's Best. And there's just a dog on all of them. so good. And then my favorite fact that I found was Moira refuses to say the name of the town throughout the entire series (laughs) and never once refers to it as Schitt's Creek. Good for her. (laughs) It's like, yeah. That's that's crazy. I don't know if that was like an intentional, like never have her do it, but Never once. And all those facts were taken from, like, the actual broadcasting company. So, like, Aww. they put out, like, 50 fun facts, and I picked my favorites. So. You picked, like, six. Yeah. <laughs> or, That's so you know. good. So, yeah, pretty fun. Um, before we do our other tales, do we want to do honorable mentions of our own? Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sarah is going to go with her honorable mention. Sure. So, Life is Strange, I talked about in our very, very first episode, has... Lots of good representation in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Night, in the, <laughs> yeah. Night in the Woods, which I talked about in our last podcast uh, episode, our, our year in review or whatever. Um, I finished it. It's great. The relationships in that are not the main point. So it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. but they're in it and it's just like never a thing. It's just totally normal and their problems are completely not related to it. I appreciate um, There's a gay couple and the main that. character is bisexual and it's lovely. Um, what else did I have? The Last of Us, Yuri on Ice, SpongeBob, and SpongeBob the Musical. There's a, I looked up like top best, you know, like Pride Month pro games, and one that came up, I haven't played it, but I kind of want to, is called Dream Daddy. It's a dad dating simulator no, visual no. novel game. Why? <laughs> Why yes. do you want to play that? Because. Um, oh, Undertale and Deltarune, and then the Blues Clues Parade uh, video. And the Laramie Project. And then I listed a few, but I think it's admirable games that allow for a person to be gender fluid, um, a person, you know, like not attaching genders to a way someone looks, like, and um, games that allow you to have relationship with anybody. S- for example, Stardew Valley, Sims, Cyberpunk 2077, Fallout 2, blah, blah, blah. Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim. Also, oddly enough, because they're so anti, like, PC, South Park. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, South Park. Oh. They're like, they're um, turn-based games. You can just do whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses allows you to date both sides. Oh, and Animal Crossing. And I was supposed to say Animal it's, Crossing, you can switch, most switch your gender, like, at any point. It doesn't even call it gender. It says style. I, this is true. It's like, yeah. girl style, girl style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's the main just... character is always referred to as they, aren't they? Not sure. I don't or, like, by your name. Yeah, but... Know. Yeah. Emily, what are your honorable mentions? Um, I didn't write down a ton, but I had She-Ra, who was also, uh, it's a TV show. I mean, it was a TV show back in the day. I'm talking about the reboot that was on Netflix that was uh, created by Noelle Stevenson. And Noelle Stevenson said uh, exclusively in an interview that every single one of her characters is gay unless she exclusively says they're not. So <laughs> that's really great. Um, and then I, I put down Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes, she's so just sweet. a wonderful, badass girl and men she's just so great she's bisexual yes 
Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of birthday nine-nine, that was one of my oh, honorable Raven mentions. Holt. Yeah, because Raven my, Holt. So bad. Um, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah, I just, because like, I like him because he's also just, like, not the stereotypical, like, gay man character. <laughs> but she's like, just like, aren't you getting a little bit of a gay vibe off him? And they're like, no, Gina. And no. then it's the first episode, and he's like, you you couldn't I'm, tell? <laughs> I'm homosexual. <laughs> um, oh, some of my so other funny. ones that I've already mentioned on the podcast are the books Witchmark by C.L. Polk and The Doors of Eden by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, I also have uh, the comic series Midnighter written by my friend from high school Steve Orlando um, and Midnighter's the first like openly gay superhero and uh, he's on DC and there's a Midnighter series that was like two volumes that Steve wrote and then he came back and did Midnighter and Apollo which is like him and his boyfriend he has to rescue Apollo from hell like kind of an Orpheus situation but it goes better nice. yeah. well I would hope so it does go better um and then I have a couple of TV series. Uh, so I put Dairy Girls-ish, because it's sort of a spoiler. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also, we'll just say there's positive representation with one of the characters. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the one they always say they think is gay, which is the guy. Um, <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because, I mean, not to, like, spoil it, but, like, like, when it happens, it takes a minute for the people to come around. But then they're like, we're being stupid. and they But also, right. like, it's set... It's set in, like, the earlier 90s, isn't it? I was, like, a wee bad back Before COVID, way before. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Other series I came up with were um, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Mm -hmm. due to the wonderful Titus Andromedon Mm -hmm. character. Um, Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. And then as someone that was a teenager in the late 90s, early 2000s, I can't not mention Will and Grace because I grew up with that series. Of course, of course. And then as far as... Films, I I watched the movie, but I'm a cheerleader in college with some friends, which is um, a girl is sent to like a camp for conversion therapy. And she hasn't even really identified herself as being gay, but her parents are like, Aww. you're gay, you're going here. But then she ends up falling for the girl that's like at the <laughs> camp with her. And clearly the conversion therapy doesn't work because it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's true. Um, then also... Uh, the movie Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which is about drag queens that kind of change the town for the better. And Wait, I've yes, seen some yes, of yes, that. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's that's, such, a great, that's such a great movie. Patrick Swayze yes. and uh, Wesley Snipes and like, so Little good. Boy and Drag, Why Are You Crying? <laughs> John Leguizamo, there we go. I came across it in high school. We were on a school trip and it was on TV. And we were like, what is this? And we were like, are we supposed to be watching this? You know, know, we were like 14 or 15. And like it came in, you know, it deals with a lot of great topics. And like, I'm here for it. (laughs) Like they, uh, like it starts out really rough in Mm -hmm. that like the cop like tries to rape one of the the queens and Mm -hmm. then realizes that um, she's a man and like, then Patrick Swayze beats him up and they leave him thinking <laughs> he's dead. So, like, they're... And they're just hiding out in this town and they're, like, getting to know the other women and, like, they're just these I, lovely ladies I, that are... just mm-hmm. so good. It yeah. is. There's the one line where it's like, you you know, you're still my lady friend even if you have an Adam's apple or something. Right, because oh, that's, so that's how she figures out that they're, <laughs> they're guys, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they, they're they're queen, they're drag queens. They're not transgender. They're not supposed to be playing that. But um, mm-hmm. so yeah, and then of course uh, the birdcage slash lacage. 
Mm-hmm. And Fun Home would have been another musical I would have picked, but you already talked about it. Hey. Um, I have I have two more that okay. I just thought of, which is one was Buffy the Vampire Slayer because Willow. Oh, yeah. And later on is, is dating a girl. I forget her name, though. Meh. It's I think fan. it's Tara. Tara. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also Owl House, which I mentioned in our witch episode. Uh, the main character is... is Kennedy bisexual and she's going to end up dating uh, Amity Blight. Who's Emily, spoilers! They're not dating yet! Since you just started, it's so good. Okay. Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very good. If you're mad, tweet at Teen Tales 1. I will say this, though. Uh, Alex Hirsch, who uh, produced and wrote for Gravity Falls, like it was his show, he wanted to have gay relationships on his show. He was going to have the two cops on the show be gay and then also on a de- different episode. But, like... Disney was like, no, like, we can't have this. And so he, like, blasted them for Pride Month. Because everyone's like, we're going to paint a rainbow everything over everything because it's Pride Month. Which is, like, great. Like, we want to have representation. We want to have inclusion. It's important. But, like, also, he was like, where was this back when I wanted to have this? So, like, mm. if there's any person who's putting a show on for Disney in the future, and they're like, you can't have this gay relationship, just pull up this tweet of them being like, we include everyone here. Yeah, good. So he put them on blast. I forgot to. Um, I put Mindhunter, and then I put Ish. Because it's not a huge part of the uh, story, which is about like the FBI developing like profiles for serial killers. I've but seen it's really interesting. So um, it's very creepy. Mm-hmm. But the the woman that comes in that's like the psychologist is played by Anna Torv, who is one of my favorites because she's from Fringe and she's a <laughs> she's a closeted lesbian in the show because it takes place in the seventies and so like in the second season they kind of deal more with her relationship because she is in a relationship then but she's also trying to like keep it. A secret because like we talked about in our history facts mm-hmm. like it was still considered like a deviant behavior and here she's like a respected psychiatrist so like they delve into her, more of her personal life in the in the second season mm-hmm. and rutherford falls because bobby uses they them and i love bobby they well, are hilarious also gonna say gravity or not gravity falls grace anatomy has a, oh yeah a lot of, also a lot of <laughs> the fall and there's oh and sex education Yes, I saw that in a little lot of lists. I haven't seen that one yet. I it's funny. Either. I've seen a couple. It's funny, but also there's some tough stuff in it. Is is Jillian Anderson? Yes. Okay. <laughs> is that awkward too? I mean, it's, it's fine. I'm gonna watch, watch it with our parents. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, oh, we're gonna go into other tales, which are shorter because we planned them to be shorter. That's, That's so right. True. Also, because mm-hmm. we're almost at an hour, mm-hmm. so. Um, sorry, you have to take one of your favorites and make them shorter. I'm gonna, maybe. I'm gonna go super fast. Also, just, I'll just you don't have to talk fast. You're just okay. You know. Okay. So my second tale is <laughs> one of my absolute favorite. They're laughing at me. It's fine. I'm favorite TV shows ever. It is the animated TV series Steven Universe, um, created by Rebecca Sugar for Cartoon Network. Fun fact: uh, This is the first Cartoon Network animated series to be created solely by a woman. Woo-woo! Uh, the show tells the coming-of-age story of a young boy, Steven Universe, voiced by Zach Callison, who lives with the Crystal Gems, which are magical... Uh, um, their names are Garnet, played by Estelle, Amethyst, played by uh, Michaela Dietz, and Pearl, voiced by uh, Dee Dee Magno-Hall. She's my favorite, and I love her forever. A lot of these people are either artists, uh, musicians, or they've been on Broadway, um, which is really cool. Uh, the show is set in the fictional town of Beach City. Steven Universe is a anomaly. He is half-gem and half-human a half-gem, half-human hybrid, who is a result of his mother, Rose Quartz, giving up her physical form to bring him into the world. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's literally revealed in episode two. That's not a spoiler. So it's fine. 
the plot for the show first aired on May uh, in May 2013, and the series ran for five seasons from November 13, 2013 to uh, January 2019. Um, and then there was a TV film, Saving Universe, the movie, which I really liked, that w- uh, was released in September 2019. And then there was like another series called Saving Universe Future. That was in late December into early March uh, 2020, which wasn't wasn't my favorite. But, you know, it, they, they said it, it was like a separate, a separate right. show, so it's fine. Uh, the theme of the series include love, family, and the importance of healthy interpersonal, uh, interpersonal relationships. Stephen based the lead character on her brother, Stephen Sugar, who was an artist for the series. Um, she also created the gems... Rebecca made- Sugar based Stephen on her brother. Yes. Okay. Stephen, Stephen didn't create himself. No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. No, his mom gave up this her physical <laughs> form to bring him into Literally, the Literally, it's, like, such an offhanded line in the show. He's, like, crawling through junk to, like, get his dad something. And his dad's like, we were always doing stuff together until she gave up your, you know, made you, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rebecca Sugar created the the series Gems, like, the, the race of gems, as non-binary women to express herself as a non-binary woman uh, through them, which I think is kind of cool. Um... So one of the things that the show introduces is an ability called fusion, which is where two or more gems or humanoid aliens like Steven can combine their bodies and personalities to generate a larger, more powerful form. Uh, Fusion requires an amount of emotional connection, and it's a great way for kids to learn about consent and other relationship dynamics. Um, Some of the fusions are platonic, uh, but other of them are romantic. Uh, so this is where, like, the big gay couple comes in, which is uh, at the very end of season one. I won't tell you who it is, but there is a reveal that two of the, the one of the, the gem guardians is actually made up of a lesbian relationship between two gems, Ruby and Sapphire. And it's just, it's just so great. Uh, and they end up getting later, uh, later they end up getting married and they share uh, a lesbian kiss on, on screen. And it's just, it's Ooh. so good. And you know what? Kids have watched it. And they're doing oh, just fine. Yo, and it was <laughs> censored in so many different countries. Like, the UK, like, censored a lot of stuff on Steven Universe. And uh, they made, like, the voice actor for Ruby mm-hmm. a guy. And so when they got what? married, they put Ruby in the dress. And they put Sapphire, who wears a dress normally, in, like, the, like the a tux. suit. What? So, like, yeah. they probably just didn't cool. air that episode. Because, like, <laughs> probably it's, not. it's just so good. And they play their theme on the guitar. And it's wonderful. Anyways, moving on. Um, there is uh, Pearl who is madly in love with Rose Quartz, which is Steven's mom. They, like, fought together in the war for Earth, and in the end, she gets her heart broken because Rose ends up falling in love with Greg, which is a human, which is Steven's dad. And so there's this really powerful moment in an episode where she sings this song, and it kind of releases that love. It's called It's Over, Isn't It? And it's kind of like she lets it go, and it's it's just, like, really powerful moment. It's just so great. Pearl's my favorite. I would just... I love her. Um... Blessing, uh, Stephen and his human friend Connie fuse into a form called Sivani, who goes by the gender-neutral they-them pronouns. Uh, Sivani is androgynous and is a good representation for youths who identify as non-binary and genderqueer. So, uh, they are great. They are voiced by AJ, uh, I don't know her last name, but it's AJ and Allie, the singers. It's voiced by Mm. AJ. I don't know. Sarah's- I know that my students have always been big fans of it. so good. The series one AJ Michaela? Yes. Um, and she sings songs and it's just so great. Uh the series won a Glad Media Award for Outstanding Kids and Family Program in 2019, being um being the first animated series to win an award. Um 
Our friends about. Abel and Jordan have seen the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched the show multiple times. It's fine. Uh, Rebecca Sugar is bisexual and non-binary. Uh, she uses both she, her, and they, them pronouns, which has uh, served for her inspiration. And she likes to stress the importance of LGBTQA plus representation in art, especially in children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, she also explained that Steven Universe really helped her come to terms with her own identity as a bisexual and non-binary person. And she believes that uh, early exposure to LGBTQA plus uh, community can help queer identifying children avoid experiencing shame in their own identities. I didn't write that. That was pulled from an, an article somewhere, but I think it's just so it's important. important. Yeah. It's so good. And if you ever watch an interview with Rebecca Sugar, every single thing that comes out of her mouth is so profound and she like speaks slowly and you can tell that she put a lot of thought into what she's saying and she just... She's so great. I hope to meet her one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the end. Stephen Universe. That was a Come nice bite size. You did lovely. You I did just, well. It's I hard. Have, it's I hard s- to talk about your favorite stuff on the podcast. Because I like. You have I'll to, try. It's so great. You have to condense it down to <laughs> like great. ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I have Stephen Universe you're doing tattoos, good and then you get twenty minutes. <laughs> Listen, I went pretty long. On Sorry. Universe, how many so Stephen Universe tattoos do you have? Uh, three. Maybe we could post some pictures of that. That's true. I have Stephen Lion and Pumpkin. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I always forget there's Steven Universe ones because mm-hmm. I don't know the show. Mm-hmm. But I should watch it. One fun fact, somebody was like, is that Mighty Mouse? Because <laughs> my Steven no. Universe tattoo was like fan art someone did. So it's mm. like not exact. And I'm like, yeah, it's Mighty Mouse. It's <laughs> totally Mighty Mouse. Uh, 100% recommend uh, for everybody. I mean, it's definitely a good show, but anybody can enjoy. There he is. I have, I mean, look at it. Here's Garnet on my laptop. There's, there's, they can't they're see. everywhere. They I know. can't see it. That's what I'm saying. It's on my laptop. Can't see it, but. I was pointing out the stickers on the laptop. Yeah. All right. (sighs) It's your turn. Sure. So I was, when I was thinking about the ones that I wanted to pick, I was thinking that there's really profound ones, like the one that you were talking about, like Fun Home, you know, like Mm -hmm. End of the World, like being gay is important and it definitely is. But then on the other hand, there's like being gay is just a part of what I am and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the whole point of the story. Mm-hmm. And the second one that I'm going to talk about, it kind of is, but it's more like goofy, like romance, like a rom-com book for YA. It just happens to feature a gay couple. Love it. And it's it's like, you know, it's like a YA romance. It's I mean, like not trashy, but like very, it. you know. I, a lot of people like this book. It's so. cute. It's cute. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it hugely, but if you need like a breath of fresh air between your Stephen King's, then like go <laughs> yeah, ahead. I read it pretty quick. So it's called Red, White, and Royal Blue. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Royal Blue. Royal Blue. 2019 <laughs> LGBT romance novel by Casey McQuiston. The novel centers around the character of Alex Claremont Diaz, the first son of the United States, and his relationship with Prince Henry, a British prince. McQuiston <laughs> <laughs> first came up with the idea for what would become Red, White, and Royal Blue during the two, uh, 2016 American presidential elections. Also watching a series, uh, I'm sorry, a season of the HBO comedy series Veep and reading both a Hillary Clinton biography by Carl Bernstein, A Woman in Charge, The Life of Hillary Rodham Clinton, and The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. They found themselves intrigued by extravagant, uh, high-profile lifestyle of the royals and wanted to write their own take on a story featuring a royal family. By the way, McQuiston is an openly bisexual and queer individual. They are non-binary and use any pronouns. Uh, hmm. But the Wikipedia page used they them, so that's what I also used. Hmm. 
Um, Alex Claremont Diaz is the son of America's first female president who is getting ready to run for re-election in 2020. After an incident at a royal wedding, Alex has to pretend to be friends with England's Prince Henry to prevent it from becoming a full-blown diplomatic and media crisis that would distract from his mother's election bid. Yes. <laughs> it's every stupid thing that you could possibly I think just, it would be. I want to read this book Is it now. like The Prince and Me, but with just two heavy It's very like Princess people. Diaries, but mm-hmm. just yeah. happens to have two dudes. Yes. Um, the novel gained generally positive reviews, especially for its re- uh, representation of gay relationship. Um, one review said, McQuiston's strength in, in dialogue and their rich, well-drawn characters... Um, and Publishers Weekly called Red, White, and Royal Blue an extremely promising start. Fun fact, this will also probably be getting a movie. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, it won a 2020 Alex Award and the 2019 Goodreads Choice Award for Best Romance and Best Debut. Yay. I just want to say, Lumberjanes is also getting a TV show. Hey. And Noel Stevenson is going to be. Wasn't Nimona supposed to be getting one? I it got canceled not. because Blue, Studi- uh, Blue Studios is no longer a thing. Disney mm-hmm. shut that down mm. so but i think it would be very cheesy delightful <laughs> movie to I, would, I want to read it yeah is it short pretty short yeah yeah. Okay. yeah yeah it's just kind of fun it's low stress gay rom-com love it yeah cool <laughs> all right, Erica, all right. to you I'm going to recommend the weirdest book that i've ever read <laughs> i say that I love it so much. It's the weirdest book I've ever read. It is called (laughs) The Stars Are Legion, and it's written by one of my favorite authors, Cameron Hurley, uh, who won Best Newcomer in 2011 by the British Fantasy Society. Uh, They've been nominated for the Nebula, Arthur C. Clarke Awards, BSFA, and Locus Award. Um, Her Instagram bio is just, Cameron Hurley is the death metal of science science fiction fantasy. Reddit. Like, the, it's not even like a normal person quote. It's just someone wrote Reddit. that on Reddit, and that's her, like, bio. Um, yeah. Other favorites of mine that she's written are the novel The Light Brigade, which I think I read, mentioned all the way back in Time Travel, and um, a short story collection called Meet Me in the Future. Um, so, Cameron Hurley's science fiction stuff is really weird. Her fantasy stuff, which I've only read the short stories, is also bizarre and it's just like she has these ideas like I feel like sometimes because I read a lot of sci-fi fantasy you start to read a new one and like the summaries are all kind of similar Mm -hmm. like there's so many different like like these pillars of like what we're gonna do like there's an orphan and they discover magic or like (laughs) there's this person that's a thief and they have to steal this thing and it's gonna be a heist fantasy or like a space opera they've discovered this and Cameron Hurley's books are literally like just so creative and just, you know what? I'm going to write something that nobody's written before. And, like, that's why I really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I posted a picture, I think, on, like, International Women's Day on our Instagram of, like, books by women that we had liked. Mm-hmm. And she liked our picture, and I, like, nearly Queen. died. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So maybe she'll like it again when I post this one. Shout <laughs> out to her. <laughs> the Stars Are Legion. I'm going to read a synopsis. I couldn't. I tried and I sat down trying to write a synopsis of this book. But it's. I just couldn't write one that made sense. <laughs> so, um, okay. The Stars Are Legion is a strange, brilliant story set in the depths of space on a group of planet ships populated exclusively by women. Um, 
<laughs> the novel is set in a fleet of decaying organic world ships called the Legion. The story's narrator, Zan, awakens and finds most of her memories are missing. She's greeted by Jade, a soldier who tells her that time after time, Zan has been sent to board another world ship called the Mokshi. Each time she's come closer. Zan learns she's part of a much larger power struggle between two families on two of the worlds. Because their worlds are dying, they have taken to raiding their neighbors to salvage parts and materials. Mokshi, the third ship planet, might be the key to escaping the Legion if Zan can find a way to get inside. When Zan is traded to the other family as a peace agreement, Zan is caught in an attack and, quote, recycled, which means cast deep into one of the world ships where she faces horrifying monsters, including a trash monster on the first one. Cool. So, like, as Zan works her way up from the depths of the world, Jay navigates through the families and the two converge for a larger plot to save the worlds. <laughs> so... That in itself is like, yeah, that sounds cool. It makes sense. But so where it gets a little bit weirder is like, so you have that whole opening saga. And so it's mentioned that the worlds are organic. And so because there are no men, like the women are giving birth sometimes to other people. Sometimes they give birth to parts of the ship. Sometimes there's a few people that can birth a new world or a ship. And they're like the pinnacle of these women so there are relationships and gay relationships but it's bizarre so very bizarre (laughs) so like literally there's a character at one point that like they know she's pregnant and like the person like the main character zan who doesn't remember that women can do this like all of a sudden she gives birth to like a cog that's for the machine and she's like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) and like the woman loves this cog though as if it's like their child and they're like yeah but it's needed for the machine like to keep the world alive so so it's like and like but that's all she can give birth to is like cogs and like like parts for the machine so like the whole ship is literally organic and like breathing at times and all that but the thing that made me love it is like so as after Zan is recycled she finds like a person that helps her in that level of the ship and then every level is like a new world basically Mm -hmm. like it's still the ship but so like some of they have like different climates and they don't necessarily know like what's going on on the different worlds so if you've ever seen like or read snowpiercer it's kind of that idea where like the different sections of the train are so completely different Mm -hmm. so literally like one of the levels is like uh snow whatever and then there's like a foresty level that they're fighting with and then there's like another level where they're like a really primitive race that's on that world and they don't even really know that there's all these levels of ship they don't even believe they're on a ship so like it's bonkers i read it It sounds awesome like it's so cool and it also it violates my goodreads rule which i you guys always tease me about 3.6 3.6 and i'll try it this one's like 3.5 or something (gasps) wow and it's one of my favorites i read it like when i was playing for a show that was not being very well organized and run and I had a ton of downtime and so I just kept reading it and like the rest of the pit was like what are you reading and I'm like I can't even explain it to you it's so weird <laughs> just go like when I explain it I sound like a crazy person and I know that like Cameron Hurley when she writes stuff on like Twitter and like Instagram she's like I know that I'm weird but please let me write books for you <laughs> like, and like so I think she's still working to be like a full-time author um But she always has a lot of inclusion. I don't know if um, she's part of LGBTQ community, but 
every one of her books has a lot of inclusion in it. So, like, obviously in this book, everyone is a woman. So, like, their relationships, therefore, are gay relationships. And, like, <laughs> are you, sure? you know, we're non-binary, but there are definitely no men. Um, the Light Brigade, like, the main character is a bisexual woman in the military. Like, there's just, like, there's always such good representation in her stories. Like, there's different cultures. There's everything like that. And so... If you're looking for just weird but cool new sci-fi, like, I would check out this book, The Stars Are Legion. It's so weird. I love it. <laughs> you're so excited. It's so weird, but I love it. Like, I can't, I mean, because I feel like people that are like, oh, I'm going to read it now, they're going to start reading it. And, like, it you throws you in. And you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> and I was like that for like the first couple chapters. And I still didn't figure it out until like, then I'm like, oh, I get it. Because you're like, <laughs> she doesn't have memories. And you're kind of like seeing it from her perspective. Mm-hmm. So you're just mm-hmm. as confused as like Xan is. And, and I just. How is that main character name versus Spencer? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not <laughs> great. But so Zan is Z A N, but Jade is spelled J A Y D. So it does have a bit of like the the Y A name thing mm-hmm. going on. It is not a Y A book. Mm-mm. No, it is not. Gotcha. But it it has the names for it. Mm. So yeah, she has a bunch of other like fantasy I read it. She's cool looking. Yeah. Yeah, she's fun. And her Instagram is fun. It's not even like a lot of it is books. It's just like, well, I worked in the garden today. Like, here's what I did. And now I'm going to go write. And like some of it's books. And then it's just like, I wish this could be my job. (laughs) Yeah. But like she's won a lot of awards. And she has like something called like the Geek Feminist like Revolution, which is what she won awards for. And so I haven't read that one yet, though. It's like a series of essays, though. It's not fiction. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'll give that one a shot. That's so, uh, Emily, what were your tales again? I had uh, Lumberjanes, the comic, and Lumberjanes, the comics, and Steven Universe. TV I had Fun Home and Red, White, and Royal Blue. You did it! Yay! I typed them. Royal. And I had Shit's Creek and the book The Stars Are Legion. Happy yeah. Pride, everybody! Yeah. yeah, we love you all and love who you love. It's true. And you know what? Call people what they want to be called. It's yeah, true. it's, it's not, not that really hard. Ask people hard. their pronouns. It's it's really not that hard. It's yeah. it's it's quite easy. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be a dick. We love you. <laughs> Just don't do it. We love you all. Emily loves you all. I'm on the fence. I love some of you. <laughs> See, three types of people. We have them all here. It's true. And we're wearing some very colorful clothing yeah, today. I, so. It's I true. Have a pride king top on. Yeah. I have a queen shirt on for I do little Freddy. That. I mean, yeah, I, that counts. Mm-hmm. And Sarah has tie dye. But you know what? Guitars. Yeah. <laughs> we're still. That's good. Um, this was a great episode. I yeah. had a lot of fun. I did too. Thanks for um, listening, everybody. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your Pride Month. Yeah. Um, every day is Pride Month. Every day, every month is Pride Month. Every day is Pride Month. This is the real Pride Month, but Pride every month. month can be Pride and Month yeah, if true. you really make the effort. Mm-hmm. So true. there you go. So All right. we're gonna pretend not to be not crazy. too crazy. Have a, good and have a great rest of your day. Good luck. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.